You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, uh, just our our disclaimer before we get going, just to understand uh, necessary information that is true about all of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the source. They're called the gifts of the Spirit, not the gifts of anything else, the gifts of the Spirit. He is the source. It is impossible to operate in these giftings without the Holy Spirit. He is the seal of authenticity and authority. The display of the gifts will always look like the heart of the Father. And no gifts of the Spirit are meant to elevate any one person, but instead the body of Christ as a whole. This is true about all of the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and two weeks ago, before Thanksgiving, we started talking about the gift of prophecy. And just we just kind of laid the very simple foundation of it, and we'll review that really quick. Prophecy, it is a word of God delivered to His people by means of direct revelation. And this can deal with individuals, the church, or a larger context. Uh, In Scripture, it is mentioned more than any other gift. All the spiritual gifts, prophecy is mentioned the most, and that is important. And in Scripture, this is also the only gift that we are encouraged to pursue and to desire for it to be made manifest in our presence. It's prophecy. For example, we see it in 1 Corinthians uh, 14.1 and verse 39. Verse 1, pursue love and strive for the spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophesy. Verse 39, So dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. It's important. It is given as a tool to navigate, to build up, and, in, and to empower the people of God, uh, which is all still very much needed today. When you look at the gift of prophecy throughout Scripture, Uh, You look at the gift of prophecy, it was always meant to take God's people into the places that they're meant to be, to lead them, to give them understanding in the days ahead, the things that they're going into. And that is still very much necessary for today. We still need God's direction and His guidance dealing with the climate that we're in, the world that we live in. We still very much need the gift of prophecy. Um, Acts 2 16 through 20 or 16 through 17 tells us this is Peter. This is right after uh, the Holy Spirit's released on the day of Pentecost and he begins to address the crowd. Uh, verse 16 But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Another fact about the gift of prophecy, that it is... I, it, it just... The, the, the writers and, and, and Peter in this moment... Uh, what the Holy Spirit is, is revealing to him, he really ma- makes it known and makes it clear. And especially when you look at the c- culture, it makes a lot more sense. But he makes it clear. We see it in 1 Corinthians and then we see it in Acts that this is a gift for male and female to operate in. And you got to understand because women had no rights in this day. Women were property uh, in this day. 
uh, and, and in that culture and still in that part of the world, that's still the, the role uh, that, that that culture has for women uh, and the way they view them. And so the Holy Spirit and Paul and Peter, they're trying to emphasize that this gift that the Holy Spirit is releasing is not just for men. You need to encourage your women to step into the prophetic as well. They are meant to prophesy. Um, we, we have an example of this in Acts. I forget their names, but it's um, two daughters of a man, two virgin daughters, and they are prophets. And they are going throughout the community prophesying, and they are known to be prophets. Uh, it's, it's just who they were. They were anointed to prophesy, and that's what they did. And so we see this time and time again, and, and the Lord is really trying to make this clear. And I think it's really important even now, especially now with the kind of backwards thinking that we have towards women in our society right now, and that's a whole different conversation, but just the, the progress that we're kind of undoing in the, in the attempt to make more progress. It feels like we're just undoing progress when it comes to women and what they've accomplished and the role that they play in our society. It feels like we're undoing a lot of that. Um, but in that, the Holy, the Holy Spirit has revealed and has shown us what prophecy is used for and how, how it's intended to lead and guide and direct the church. And then he again mentions how important it is for women and men to step into this gifting, meaning that there is absolutely supposed to be leadership through the prophetic from women for guiding and directing the church of God, the body of Christ. I think that's really important. Now that would get me thrown out of like a really Southern Baptist church, right? Like that would be like, that's heresy. Uh, but that, that's, that's scriptural. That it is intended for all of us, not the pastor, not the staff, not the, the deacon, to, to lead the church. But there is a role for all of us to play in leading the body of Christ, investing and guiding and directing as the Lord reveals. And it's for men and it is for women. There is not a single one of us that is not meant to help in the leading of the body of Christ. This gift, again, it's for male, female, leaders, and non-leaders. The only thing one needs besides a willing heart, obedience to His will and not your own, is faith. In Romans 12, it tells us that we, that we are, or we're told in Romans 12, that our ability to prophesy and receive the gift of prophecy is linked to our faith. And prophecy in proportion to your faith. So your ability to prophesy and the magnitude of what you can prophesy is linked to your faith. We've got to understand this. this. This thinking that if I just show up and I say yes and amen, that the Lord is going to release the profound nature of the gifts of the Spirit upon me and entrust me with these that they would flow through me. That's not how it works. You have to have relationship. There has to be great level of faith in order to manage these things. And you've got to understand too, think about the prophets of old, the things that they were told, the things that they had to bring to an already hostile people, or the things that they had to bring to an enslaved people. You had to have great faith that God is who He said He was. Um, it is all linked to faith. So yet again, we come to this truth that the flow of the gifts is tied to relationship. We have to have relationship, true relationship, father and child relationship. And we talked about this two weeks ago. As it is for most of us, we say that we have relationship. 
But in our relationship with God, we do all the talking. We do all the talking. We show up, we talk to him, we tell him what we need, say good talk, and then we're out. He never gets a word in edgewise. He never gets an opportunity to share with us or guide and direct us or speak to us. And we never stop for a moment to listen to what his response would be. That's the other thing that we do. We, we pray we pray, and we ask him for help in something and then we immediately start problem solving how to f- get ourselves out of that situation instead of trusting him for the help that we just asked for. Or we, we pray and we ask for his guidance, we ask for his direction, we ask for his wisdom, and then we immediately check out and we start doing our own thing again. And we end up treating that, this path that I'm paving for myself, is God's answered prayer. And then I end up in a place that I shouldn't have ended up to begin with, and I'm like, well, Lord, why? It, Lord's got a plan, right? That's our default. When we end up in a real big, bad mess that we've made for ourselves, God's got this. He's got a plan for me. It's like, yeah, he does. And you have totally botched it thus far um, because it's been your plan uh, because we never listen. And you can't prophesy if you can't listen. The start of the prophetic is stillness and quietness within your own heart and in your own mind so that the Lord can speak to you and reveal to you and release to you that which is necessary to be revealed and released. Today, we're going to go a little bit further into prophecy, a little bit more in depth and what it looks like. Uh, We closed uh, two weeks ago just saying that we're going to start with examining the difference between Old Testament and New Testament prophecy. So we're going to start with that Old Testament prophecy. The prophet, a few characteristics, they normally almost always delivered their message to the nation of Israel. The prophetic was almost exclusively tied to the nation of Israel, period. They often had characteristics of a leader in the nation of Israel. The prophets in the Old Testament were always at the forefront of leadership when it came to that nation, when it came to those people. They led so much. You think about the prophets of old, uh, you know, think of, uh, of Samuel and, and Elijah, uh, Ezekiel. These, these were leaders within, the, within the, the kingdom of Israel. And then the message, the message typically dealt with the entire nation of Israel, either what was, what was coming, what the Lord was doing, or what needed to happen, or how they needed to change and go this direction, or this direction, or, or, or what was coming against them, and then what the Lord was going to do in response to that. It always had to do with the entire nation of Israel. But New Testament prophecy, the prophet uh, is, is given universal messages, not necessarily in a position of leadership, uh, there, there's a lot of evidence we have. Again, I can't remember their names. Uh, I've got them written down in my office. But there were two prophets that were notorious throughout the book of Acts, and they were not leaders. They were not apostles. Uh, they were not disciples. These were, they, they were saved after the day of Pentecost, anointed as prophets, and they prophesied, but they were not leaders within the church. They were just prophets. And we see that often. We see that a lot today. I know several prophets, and they are not in leadership in the church. So that's not what they do. That's not where they are. They are they're the ones sitting in the, in the seats with everybody else on a Sunday morning. But they are prophets. Um, it can be uh, under the new covenant, and 
and we'll get into this a little bit more in a second, but it can be a personal message for an individual. It's not just dealing with the entirety of the church, the entirety of a nation. It can be a personal uh, word of prophecy for an individual. And it is often as a result of direct revelation. Now, there's two types of revelation, direct revelation and divine revelation. Direct revelation is... Uh, as it sounds, what you would think it would be, it's a, it's a word straight from the Lord, straight from God. Now, in the New Covenant, that is the most common way that we receive words from the Lord because we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit rests in us. So, of course, so much of the things that we receive from the Lord are by Direct revelation because it's the Holy Spirit that dwells in us that's revealing these things to us. So it's direct revelation. Now, divine revelation is a word that comes from a supernatural agency like an angel. And we see that throughout Scripture. We see this, uh, we see this in uh, the New Testament as well. We see it more often, though, in the Old Testament. We see this a lot in the Old Testament. But it, it does happen in the New Testament, but it is not as common as it will be for direct revelation within the new covenant, the, day that, the days that we live in now, because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And prophecy always has to do with the future. And now this is where things get a little bit confusing. We confuse, and we don't mean to confuse it. I think it's just because we have a lack of understanding. But we get confused on this because prophecy always has to do with the future. Um, and if, if it is a word... Dealing with the present. If it is a word of insight or oversight into a situation that is happening right now, that is, if you'll remember from several weeks ago, that is a word of knowledge. Revelation about what's happening right now. Things that I couldn't come to on my own, but this is happening before my eyes. Like if the Lord revealed, uh, you know, something about my sister that she's dealing with right now. And I call her up, hey, what's go- uh, you're dealing with this. The Lord has said this. That's not a word of prophecy. That's a word of knowledge because he's providing insight or oversight, right? Because he can provide the very, very nitty gritty details of a word and that's insight. And oversight is if you just imagine yourself being lifted up higher above the situation. You're not going to have, have as many details, but you're going to have more of an aerial view of the grander picture of what's going on. Those are the types of words of knowledge that the Lord releases. Um, but a word of knowledge will always bring insight to a current event. Prophecy is rooted in the future. And there are two types of prophecy. Uh, the first one, and we'll read several scriptures just to emphasize this. The first one is foretelling, telling of the future, telling of something that is to come, something that is going to happen, uh, a direction that the Lord is taking us. Uh, Zechariah 12, verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him. As one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. On that day, the mourning in Jerusalem will be as great as the mourning of Hadad Ramon in the, in the plain of Megiddo. Me, yeah, that's what we're going to go with. And the land shall mourn 
each family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself, their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Levi by itself, their wives by themselves, the family of the Shemites by itself, and the wives by themselves, and all the families that are left, each by itself, and their wives by themselves. And on that day there shall be a fountain opened, for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanliness. What is that passage talking about? Who is that passage talking about? It's talking about Jesus. It's talking about him being pierced. That's him being crucified. It's talking about this, and it's talking about the mourning of the firstborn, the only son of, of heaven. The firstborn. And what is he called in the New Testament? What does Paul say? He is the first among us. He's the firstborn of us. He was the first one. And it's prophesying of a day that is to come, the release of the Son of God that will bring salvation and will bring about the, the cleansing of sin and uncleanliness to the people of God. So this is Jesus that it's prophesying. It is the foretelling of Jesus and his crucifixion and salvation for the people. And then we see this again in Matthew 17, verse 22. And this is Jesus. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. This is prophecy. This is, I am telling you what is going to happen. This is prophetic, and it, it happened exactly like he said it was going to happen. These are the examples of foretelling. This is a future that you, you are coming to. It is happening, period. This is going to happen. And now, the second one, and this is the one that's really overlooked, but this one is, in my opinion, it's the one that has the most profound impact on the life of the believer. So it's really, really important. It's the foretelling which is causing the future. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit because that's a confusing statement I just made. Um, In Acts 9, verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Okay, so already Saul has received prophetic vision of something that is to come, right? Okay, so we've already, we're seeing foretelling taking place right now, okay? Or the Lord is telling Ananias of a foretelling vision that Paul or Saul has already had. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of of my name. So Ananias is receiving what the Lord says about Saul's future that is going to cause Paul's future. 
If Ananias does not step into what the Lord is saying, I'm, if he does not receive what the Lord is saying, I am going to do with this person and his future, then this future does not, this future does not happen. But because Ananias stepped into this foretelling prophecy, he causes a future for Paul to unfold. Saul's future ends and Paul's future begins. Paul never had the life he would live after his encounter with Jesus on his radar. Never had it. Until the road of Damascus, he had a plan. He had an idea of where his life was headed, where his career was headed, what he was going to do with his life. And then Jesus interrupts that and introduces him to something that was not on his radar, um, but it was on the Lord's radar. And, and that's the really cool thing about foretelling is that it causes a future that we did not foresee for ourselves. But the Lord saw for us. That's the foretelling. It brings us into the place that we're meant to be that we ourselves did not know we were supposed to be. Um, and this, is, this, this one makes a lot of sense for me because when I was in school, my life had a trajectory and it was never ministry. It was never ministry. That was never the trajectory that my life was on. That was never the thing that I wanted to do with my life. I never wanted to be here, ever. I never thought, not that I had anything against it, but I never thought about it. That was never a thought like one day I'm going to be a pastor. Never a thought, never anything that I pursued for myself. I had an idea, I had a path, and like uh, Saul, I was on my own road, and I was, my road was leading me to Seattle. And I was going to go work in Seattle as a physical therapist assistant. That's where I was going. And then one day, I sit down for coffee and with, with my, my friend and mentor, and I get told about this need for a youth pastor in Sundown, Texas, and all of a sudden the Lord's like, you're going. I'm like, okay, this is what we're doing. I didn't know what the heck I was supposed to do, but all I knew for certain is that this was, this was given to me by God to do it. So that was, that's an, an example of how the Lord will bring about revelation to bring you into a place that he's always had a desire for you to be, but you yourself never had it on the radar. It's causing your future. Does that make sense? Causing your future, the Lord's future for you. Causing the Lord's future for you to take place. Um, and I also uh, understand this with, as far as when it comes to the prophetic specifically, because... I was anointed by Kendall as a prophet. The revelation given to him by the Holy Spirit, he anointed, he said, you are a prophet. The Lord has anointed you. You are to be a prophet. I was like, cool beans, buddy. Um, and did not receive it, didn't know what to do with it. And then several years later, I'm standing right here. And Rhea and Amanda are right in front of me. My pregnant wife is right next to me. And they look at me and they say, you've been anointed already with what I'm about to tell you. But the Lord has shown me that it's like a cloak that you don't know how to wear. It's not quite fitting on your shoulders the way it needs. It's not resting on you the way it needs to rest on you. Uh, but you're a prophet. I'm like, cool beans. I went to lunch, as, as was our tradition, for seven years. Uh, we would go to lunch every Sunday 
at Randy and Jan's house uh, with their family, and we'd eat there every Sunday. And they they're like, "Man, that's really cool, Parker. What do you think?" And I I I told them, I think it's hogwash. And they were all very shocked, and they they didn't like that answer. But I was just being honest. I was like, "I don't believe any of that stuff. I don't think." I think they're wrong. I didn't receive it, been anointed twice, didn't receive it, and guess what I did not do? I did not prophesy. There's no word of the prophetic that ever left my lips because I just didn't believe it. I did not receive it. Uh, in Matthew 10, get there, get there, there we go. Matthew 10, uh, verse 40 says, Whoever receives, whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives, receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. Receive them, their word, and you encounter the you encounter the reward that comes from receiving that which the Lord has called you into. And so what I had to do was I had to learn how to receive what the Lord is speaking over me. I didn't know how to receive. But no one teaches us how to receive from the Lord. No one teaches us how to do that. So I had to learn how to do that, what it was to receive from the Lord. And then I got to step into the reward of a prophet. And it was profound. And I'll never forget the first time I prophesied over a... We had a youth trip to Midland, to rock the desert. We had to go to the hospital because a kid had an allergic reaction to a bee sting. And we were in the hospital and we just started ministering to the nurse and we had an extra ticket and she was going through a lot of stuff and she's just like, we just gave her the ticket, told her to come out. She came out the next night and Sammy and Debbie and I were talking to her and we started praying over her and the Lord gave me my first prophetic vision. And I spoke it over and I'm like, oh man, that was sick. That was really cool. That was a lot of fun. And so, but it all was waiting and hinging on me receiving. But the Lord was seeking over years and years and years to cause a future for moments like what that nurse would need. A a word from the Lord that was going to be so specific to her that it was going to put her life on a different trajectory, the trajectory the Lord had intended for her all along, causing a future. But in order to cause her future, the future the Lord had for her, I had to receive the future He was seeking to cause for me. He was foretelling me years and years and years and years repeatedly because He's gracious and He's kind and He doesn't give up on His children. But He was continually trying to get me to step into a future that He had had for me that had never been on my radar. And that is forth telling, stepping in to what God has for you, even though you didn't know about it, it wasn't on your radar. Uh, but it's what he has caused for you. It, I mean, I think, I, I think a lot of us that are Christians now, that are married, have kids, can even look back at the way that we met our spouses and say, the Lord caused that future. Like, it, it wasn't, hap- it, the Lord caused it. Like, there are just too many things that happened that if just one of those things didn't happen, I'm not with my spouse today. Like, there's just, I, I can't trace back the life I have now with Sarah to a single statement from one person in Nacogdoches, and they said it in passing. One, one statement took them about 
five seconds to say, but that one statement changed my life. If they didn't make that one statement, I don't know Sarah. Period. That was, that was forth telling. The Lord was causing a future for me, right? That's the goodness of God. And the Lord will oftentimes give a word of prophecy that we never desired. We didn't pray for it, so he just tells us what he has in mind for us. We don't, we don't pray for the things that he's hoping that we'll pray for, the things that he's hoping we'll ask for. So he's like, you know what, I'm just going to tell you what, I, what I've envisioned, what I have in mind for you, because it's not on your radar yet. So I'm just going to tell you what it is. And, and the Lord is gracious and, he, and kind when he does that. And it's so profound for the believer when you think that the Lord can release a word of prophecy that will cause a future to unfold for a person that otherwise would not exist for them, that it is so off of their radar that it does not matter what happens. If you do not speak that word of prophecy, they never step in to what the Lord has for them. They never step into that future. And that's why it's so profound and so important for the believer. But so much of it comes down to our receiving. In 1 Corinthians 14, 29, it says, let two or three prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. I've been thinking about this scripture a lot over the last several weeks and thinking about it. And I have this, I have it in my office, these notes where the scripture is and I have it written, just this sub note underneath it. Is this where it all, is this where it all went wrong? Not, Not the letting two or three prophesy but the letting others evaluate what is said. Is that where it goes wrong? Because without faith, without relationship, to discern, it goes wrong and it is not received. If it goes wrong there, it's not going to be received. If those that are, are seeking to evaluate, the leadership seeking to evaluate that word, if they don't walk with the Lord, if they don't have faith, if they don't have relationship, they cannot receive. And if they cannot receive, they're going to discount that as a false word. It's going to get... It's going to get shoved to the side. And then the future that we're meant to step into or the the future that the Lord is seeking to cause for us is going to be missed because we've not received it, because we've not had the faith or relationship that is adequate enough in setting us up to receive successfully what the Lord is speaking. And that's where it goes wrong. We cannot evaluate without the Holy Spirit. We cannot discern without the Holy Spirit. And we cannot receive without the Holy Spirit. So much of prophecy, it's, it's, it, it hinges on, on an individual's relationship and their faith, their faith with the Lord and, and a relationship to trust the Lord and understand because uh, I, like I've told you, I, the Lord anointed me to be a prophet. It's not anything I would ever want for myself. It's just what the Lord said. But I also had to understand that I had to have a relationship with God and I had to understand how he specifically speaks to Parker because the Lord speaks to me in a unique way. That's just for me. It's the way he speaks to me. And in understanding that through relationship, I began to understand how he was going to reveal to me through direct revelation words of prophecy. It was going to be similar to how he speaks to me on a regular basis. And he, he speaks to me when it comes to the prophetic, it is always a vision. But it's like the, it's like the, uh, it's like the Disney movies 
where it just it kind of starts blurry and the ripples kind of go and then all of a sudden the picture clears and you kind of see fully what the Lord is doing and different things kind of get added as it's progressing. That's how the Lord gives me prophetic words. Just like that. And all I'm ever supposed, it's not like I see that and I'm like, oh, that means that uh, you're supposed to be a nurse. Like, no, I don't know that. All I'm told to do is speak the vision that I've just shown you and they'll get it. Like it, it's not my job to interpret. It's just my job to speak the word of prophecy that the Lord has given me and then he's going to unfold that. But every single time I'll give them that vision and they're just like, I'm like, I don't know why that's profound, but cool. It was fun. I enjoyed seeing it. Um, but if I don't have a relationship and I don't have faith and I don't have trust with the Lord, because that's another big thing about prophecy. If there's a moment where a prophetic word is necessary, where it's needed, and we talked about this when it comes to the gifts of healing uh, and the miraculous, sometimes the gifts of the Spirit, they just flow naturally and sometimes they require us to press in. Every year at the beginning of the year, I press in. The Lord sometimes reveals very quickly a word of prophecy for the future of this church. And sometimes I really, really have to press in because he wants me to press in. And in that pressing in, if I do not trust that the Lord will speak what needs to be spoken and reveal what needs to be revealed. um, If I don't trust that he'll do that, I'm not going to be in that process for very long. I'm going to check out and I'm going to miss that word. I'm going to miss that word of prophecy. I'm going to miss that word of revelation that he has for the people around me or, or the, the, the future that he's trying to cause somebody to step into. I'm going to miss that if I don't have trust, if I don't have relationship, and if I don't understand how he speaks. But because we as the church as a whole and, and the Western society that we live in really don't have those three things, Excuse me, we don't have those three things. We don't trust the Lord because we don't have relationship. And because we don't have a relationship, we have just the basis little toddler level of faith, this elementary level of faith that we still need to be fed milk. We can't handle the meat yet because we, we are so immature when it comes to the things of God. Yeah, we've been Christians for 40 years, but we only talk to Him on Sundays through the pastor. It's like, that's why there's not the prophetic. And so when you see the prophetic, but you see the prophetic from one person in amidst of a thousand people that don't have relationship, that don't have deep understanding and deep trust and a, and a magnitude of faith, then it's discounted. It's, oh, that's just because now we have this term kind of came around when I was in college, but we have radical Christians. They're radicals. Like, what? What? Radicals. Like, you know that we have radical Muslims. And you know what, you know what another word that we call them? It's terrorists. So you're lumping Christians that are prophesying in that kind of category is dangerous, hurtful, detrimental to the, to the faith. Like, no, it's just because you are immature. You don't understand. You don't have relationship. And so we've, we've shoved out, we've pushed away the gifts of the Spirit. But we also did that too because when, we don't, when you don't have relationship, the Holy Spirit looks really scary. When you don't have relationship with God, when the Holy Spirit shows up and you realize how very little control you have over your life, that's scary. And the Holy Spirit reminds you of that every single time He shows up, that you are not in charge here. You are not the authority and you don't have the power to change anything. It's me through you. 
And when people recognize that, that's really hard. We're having a we're having just a phase right now with our with our oldest as he tries to navigate what can be and what cannot be controlled. Because he wants to control everything. He wants everything to work in the way that he thinks it needs to work. And the hard lesson for a kid that can't totally process why he can't do that is that at the end of the day, the only thing you can control is yourself. That's it. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of that, and we don't like that. Like, you can control what you do with your life, but that's it. You can't control anything else outside of that. The sun's going to rise whether you want it to or not. Wind's going to blow whether you want it to or not. Trying to control the world around you is like trying to wrangle the wind. You're just not going to win. You're not going to do it. You're not going to be successful. Um, and so it's really scary for the Holy Spirit, but if, uh, for us to encounter the Holy Spirit when that's our mentality, if we would just step into relationship with Him, we would know how good He is, how kind He is, and how He wants great and profound and wonderful things for us. He's not made us to experience mediocrity, but He's made us for this grand adventure and this profound uh, encounter on this earth with the kingdom of God. And we only understand that when we step into relationship, we build faith, we build trust. And then when those things exist, the Lord can begin to release the prophetic. But the other thing that we've got to recognize is that it is a gift. And gifts, all you've got to do, there's no earning a gift. You just ask for it. That's it. My kids, when they're, when their birthday, or we got Christmas coming up. What are they doing with these? I don't even know where they got these toy books. But, you know, everybody's got a, a book with a catalog of toys. And my kids have every toy on every page circled. Like, I want this for Christmas. I want this for Christmas. I want this for Christmas. I, we didn't have that growing up. So we just had commercials. And it was a running, it was just normal in my house to hear my baby brother scream at the top of his lungs. I want that! As he's watching TV, no one knows what, he, what it is. We just know that he saw a toy that he wants, and he would just scream, I want that. And that was the end of it, but that's what he did. But a gift, that, that's all it is. These kids, they show us interest that, like, I, I really want this. Okay. And what do we do as parents? The ones that they can handle, we go get it for them. And that's really the key thing, right? The ones that they can handle. Right? You guys are even walking through that a little bit. The people on the recording aren't going to understand this, but your son had to take some steps right, before he could get the gift that he really wanted. Right? And the Lord is waiting for us to take those steps because we want the gift of prophecy. I want the gift of prophecy to flow through this community. I want us to be guided and directed by the prophetic in this, in this, in this city, in this, in this house. But in order for that to take place, We've got to step into the things that the Lord has set up to protect us for success in these things, right? We want, we do this as parents and the Lord does it with us. We want to set them up to be successful. We don't want to set them up to fail. So we take smaller steps if that means that they're going to be successful when it comes to the bigger thing rather than just throw them into the big thing and hope for the best. And so the Lord is asking us to take these small steps that He has put in place so that we can find ourselves ready to handle the gift of prophecy as He begins to release it. And it's relationship, increase in faith and trust. If we can do that, the Lord will release the gifts of the Spirit. We need to recognize that. It's so simple. He's not made a complicated process. He just wants us to spend time with Him and know Him, know His heart, know His voice, 
and then step into everything else that comes once those things are accomplished. That makes sense? Questions, comments, concerns? Cool. All right, well, and also just a note, when we get to the end of this series, uh, after we finish our last lesson, the next Wednesday, what we're going to do is we're going to come back with just questions over the gifts of the Spirit. So if you have any or if you want to examine something further, just make sure that through this process you're writing those things down so that we can take that opportunity to really dive in to make sure that we're all on the same page, there's clarification, and that we're stewarding this time well. Um, but that we're all ending at the same finish line when we come to this, that we're not leaving anybody behind in, in the Merck. So let's, uh, if you have those, just begin to write those down. I know I'm writing some down uh, that I'll answer for myself, but I'm still going to share those and like the answers that I found as, as when we come to that day. So anyways, if you have that, just begin to write those things down because we are going to have time set aside for that at the end of this series. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.